Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. We've been focusing on walking with God. How do we walk each day with God? And we focused on the principle, and that principle is three times in God's Word, it says that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace, even greater grace, to the humble. So if we're going to walk with God, we must resist being prideful in our spirit, and that we must seek to be humble in our heart. And as we're humble in our heart, then we will experience the grace of God. How many of us want to experience the grace of God rather than the opposition of God? I see that hand. We we want the grace of God, not for God to resist us or God to oppose us. So we need to walk in humility of heart. We saw two examples in the Old Testament of men who were kings, one a pagan king, another a righteous king, who let pride build up in their lives and God had to deal with their pride Because the fact that his truth is that he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And last week, we introduced a New Testament character, a New Testament person, who also teaches us about pride and humility, and that was the Apostle Paul. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is very honest and open about his life journey and what he experienced in life. And in chapter 12, he introduces to us an experience that he had, an amazing experience, that God would elevate him or lift him up to the third heaven. Remember, the first heaven is our atmosphere. The second heaven is our universe out there. And the third heaven is where God dwells. And he said that God, whether in body or by dream or vision, that God had elevated him and taken him to the third heaven. Not very many people have experienced that. Taken to the third heaven, and there in the third heaven he saw paradise, that the dwelling place of the righteous. And he says he hears inexpressible words, words that God spoke to his heart about his life, Words that he was not able and has been prohibited from sharing with anyone else. They were words to his heart and to affect his life. And to have that experience of seeing paradise, hearing those words, and being elevated to third heaven. Don't you think that that would cause Paul to, to be a little bit prideful or a little bit conceited? I mean, we start listing what have we done and what are our qualifications. And here comes Paul and says, well, my qualification is I've been to heaven. <laughs> I've been to heaven, taught with God. God taught with me, saw paradise, all those things happen. Yeah, I think you are uniquely qualified. And it would be a good reason for Paul to be prideful, to be full of pride in his life. And if Paul let pride creep into his life, Paul let pride dominate him, he exalted himself, he became conceited within his spirit, then he would become useless in the kingdom of God. Because God, based on his principle, 
would have to begin to oppose this great apostle and stand against him because of the pride of his heart. So Paul tells us the rest of the story. We introduced that just briefly last week, but the rest of the story is this, that Paul says that God, that God gave to him a thorn in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself so that he wouldn't become useless, so that God wouldn't have to oppose him. God gave to Paul a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. You remember I asked the question, most of us, if you, if you had to raise your hand, how many of you would like to go to the third heaven? We'd all sign up for that, amen? We'd want to get on that train right there. We'd want to go up there and see that, see what's there, and we want to enjoy that. But then the question I ask you, but how many of you would be willing to have a thorn in the flesh the rest of the days of your life so that you might stay humble and you might stay useful in the kingdom of God? For Paul knew that you have to balance it out and God balances out for that which God blesses us with and exalts us and gives us opportunity. Sometimes he has to allow something like the thorn in the flesh to come to keep us from exalting ourselves. And all of us have that journey. All of us have that different experience that we're going to journey through. So let's find out from Paul, what do you do? What do you do? When you have a thorn in the flesh. So if you have your Bibles there to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to begin reading in verse number 7. And I want to introduce to you what I call the key. What, what is the key to all this? How, how can Paul share about the third heaven and, and then share about a thorn in the flesh and, and smile about it the whole time? How, how can he deal with this thorn in the flesh in his life and have a great attitude about it all the time. Because the key is that Paul understood. He understood something. It's there in verse number 7. Listen to what it says. Here's what he understands. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul understands. That's the key. I mean, let me give you some words to circle in this text, all right? Look at verse 7. Here it is. And because, you need to circle that word. <laughs> because I was elevated to the third heaven, be because I had the opportunity to see in paradise, because I heard inexpressible words, because of that great privilege, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Here it is. For this reason, he doesn't want us to miss it, does he? Because of the great revelation, and because I had the opportunity to see what I saw and hear what I heard, for this reason, he goes on, listen, to keep me from exalting myself, having pride. In case we might miss it, in that one verse, he says it twice. Look at the very last statement. To keep me from exalting myself. What's the purpose of it? To keep Paul from what? 
from exalting his, himself. The, the purpose of it, what? To keep Paul from having pride or a conceited spirit. To keep Paul from thinking he's really something and special and unique beyond what everybody else is. And he's elevated above that, creating pride in his heart and life by which God will have to oppose him and by which he would be useless in the kingdom of God because and for this reason, based on the surpassing greatness of that revelation, in order to keep me from exalting myself, yes, in order to keep me from exalting myself, listen, there was given me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan. Paul understood. (laughs) Whenever you get that blessed experience of going to the third heaven, that God sends something into your life and places something into your life that is going to keep you from being focused on that exalted state you're in, but to keep you in a humble state, in an always seeking state, an always needed state where you want God, need God, have to have God. You have to be humble, and that comes by means of a thorn in the flesh. And Paul can handle that because he knows that it's needed because of the surpassing greatness of that revelation that he enjoyed. See, if we could see what Paul saw, if we could see what Paul saw in the third heaven, we'd be willing to accept anything and and handle anything in this world just to think about getting to go to heaven. You believe that? Paul said, hold your hand here just a second. Look back a few pages in, in 2 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. Same man who just wrote those words about that thorn in the flesh. He writes these words, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Whereas he says, outer man's decaying. Man, I'm being renewed day by day in my heart. You being renewed every day in your heart? You need to be renewed every day in your heart. That's one thing that can be renewed. You can't make your body over, you know? The one thing about getting old is is you get tired sooner. Did y'all notice that? I used to never know what tired was. I hear people that are in 20s and 30s say they're tired. I don't even remember being tired 20 or 30. But I'm telling you, when you're 60-something, you get tired. It's kind of depressing that you get worn out and get tired, you know? Because your old body is decaying. But hold on a second. You don't have to be decaying in your inner man. You can be brand new every day. Be fresh every day. You can be a a young whippersnapper every day to be renewed. That's what Paul said. Now listen to what he says in verse 17. Listen. For momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. He said, whatever you got to go through in this world, this momentary light affliction, that's nothing compared to that eternal weight of glory that's being produced. And we're going to get to enjoy one day. Paul knows that because he's been where? To paradise. He said, well, what would you got to deal with here? This is no problem compared to where we're getting to go. Listen to what he says in verse 18. 
while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He said, whenever I saw heaven, all I can do is keep my mind on the things out there in heaven. I look at what's going to be, not what is right now. Therefore, I can handle whatever it is, even a thorn in the flesh. Now, some of you who maybe have not read about Paul as much as you ought to have read about Paul, or you don't know a whole lot about him, maybe you think, well, well, if you only got momentary light affliction, well, I could do that too. But he don't, Paul don't know what I'm going through. I mean, you, you know, you just don't understand what I'm going through. I'm the only person in the world who's ever gone through this. Let me assure you one thing. Whatever you're going through, you're not the only person in the world who's ever been through it. There's other people who've been through exactly what you've been through, okay? And, and they've survived. You will too. You'll be able to survive. You, you can even thrive in the midst of it. But in case you think that Paul is not really qualified to talk to you about those momentary light afflictions, let me give you a list. Turn over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the chapter right before we got to this thorn in the flesh. Let's talk about his momentary light afflictions. Would you read with me for just a moment? Look there in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Very last part of it, it says, in far, I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten time without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure upon me on concerning all the church. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I boast what pertains to my weakness. You see that momentary light affliction. How many of you have been beaten with rods? How many of you have been received 39 lashes from the Jews? How, how, many, how many of you have been stoned and left for dead? Uh, hold on a second. This is the momentary light affliction. He said, that's nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory and what we got waiting for us. I want to tell you, friend, if you don't know Jesus today and you don't have heaven waiting for you, just based on this man's testimony, who's gone through all of this and who gladly accepts it because he understands, he understands that whatever in this world has to happen, whatever has to take place to keep him useful and to keep him humble, that God can use him. It doesn't matter at all because heaven is out there. And heaven is worth it all. Well, back to 2 Corinthians 12. He said, there's given to me this thorn in the flesh. Now, now what, it, what is a thorn in the flesh? Or more specifically, people want to know, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, isn't it interesting that it wasn't recorded? Now, if you read theologians, as many theologians as there are, there's that many 
thorns in the flesh it could possibly be. It could be a physical problem that he couldn't see very well or he had some kind of other physical issues in his life or it could be a, a relational problem. He could have been married and his wife would not accept his being a believer because when he was a part of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. could have been relational issues. It could be the spiritual issues that the Jews wouldn't accept him. could be all kinds. Of, God didn't write it down. You know why? Because if God wrote it down, we'd think that's the only thing there is that's a thorn in the flesh. And there's all kinds of thorns in the flesh and there's all kinds of thorns in the flesh that affect each of us differently. A thorn in the flesh is something that causes you pain and hinders you in your life. It can be physical, it can be spiritual, it can be relational, it can be emotional, it can have all kinds of things that come about in your life that will cause you pain and can hinder you but also keeps you humble in your life. We all will have those, and Paul had it. You know it's not good. You know it's not a blessing because it says the messenger from Satan. God is the one who allows it, but he lets the old enemy deliver it. And it's hurtful and painful and hard and difficult. But it has a purpose in God's plan. The purpose in God's plan is to keep us humble. Keep us standing in need of God. Not getting to the point where we think we can make it without God. But we need God every day to be able to handle that thorn in the flesh. And Paul said he had it. It was given to him by God for a purpose. To keep him from exalting himself that he might stay humble and he might stay useful in the kingdom of God. So what do you do when you have a thorn in the flesh? And I dare say every one of us, every one of us have some type of thorn. Some type of thorn. Now, yours might be a little thorn. But but I'm here to tell you, there's some big thorns. There's some big thorns. What what was that tree, honey locust? Have you ever seen a honey locust tree? Y'all know what a honey locust tree is? If you've never seen a honey locust tree, you need to find one and go see it. Honey locust trees have the biggest, biggest thorns on them. Those those thorns will be that long, and they're all over that tree. I mean, those things will eat you up. When I see that, I think that must have been the tree that they got the thorns to build to make the crown of thorns. It's a vicious-looking thorn. Somebody may have honey locust thorns and somebody may have a briar patch. I don't know, but all of us have them. All of us have those things. Happened in it to us, happened with us. Well, something, something we were born with, something that happened in life. We all have them. What do, what do you do? What do you do when you have a thorn in the flesh? He tells you right here, verse number eight. Concerning this issue, this thorn in the flesh, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. What do you do when you have a thorn in the flesh? Here's what you do. Pray. Pray. And you know what you pray? You pray and you ask God to remove that issue, that thorn out of your life. You just ask God to take it away. You, you entreat, you, you make intercession, you make supplication before Almighty God and ask God to remove that thorn in the flesh. Now, Hold on a second. You need to write this down. 
If this thorn and this hindrance to your life by the old enemy is initiated by him and not fulfilling a purpose in God's plan, then if you will ask God and and claim God's power, God will remove that thorn out of your life. Did you hear what I just said? That was worth you coming today, all right? If If you will ask God, and this is what the old enemy's bringing in your life to hinder you, but it's not fulfilling a purpose that God has. If you will ask God, God will remove it. Too many of us are letting the old devil stick us with thorns that we don't have to because it's not fulfilling God's plan. We just don't know what to do with it. So what you do with it is you pray. And you ask God to remove it. And if it's of the devil and not of God, he'll remove it. But if that thorn fulfills a purpose that God has, and God, like in the life of Paul, uses that thorn for a purpose in your life to keep you humble and to make you useful, then you can pray and ask God, but God will not remove it. Paul said he asked the Lord three times, to remove that thorn in the flesh, but God did not remove it. Now, that three, in numerology, three is the number of completeness. The Trinity, it's completeness, a complete God. All right, listen, three is the number of completeness. That means that Paul interceded. It's not necessarily that three times is all you pray and don't pray the fourth time. It just means in three times when Paul prayed that, that he felt like he had completely interceded. He had completely made that supplication. He he completed everything he needed to do to ask God, and if God wanted to, God would remove it. That may not be three times for you. It may be more for you, but, but there has to be some point in time when you feel like you have completely turned that over to God. You've completely asked God to remove it, and God's chosen not to remove it. Therefore, in God's plan, he has that in your life. I don't know what that number is, but you will know it in your spirit. You will know when you've prayed enough. It may be a hundred times. I don't know, but you're going to finally know in your spirit, I have prayed. I've asked God. I've done everything I can, and God has chosen not to remove that in this world. And obviously, there's a purpose and a plan that God has for me in this life to keep me from exalting myself, to keep me humble that I might be useful in the kingdom of God and receive the grace of God. So the first thing you do is pray. Get rid of what the enemy's doing, and if God has it there for a purpose, pray completely until you know that you've done everything you can and then trust God that you have brought that supplication before him. That's what you do. Well, how does God answer Paul? Same way he's going to answer you and me. If this thorn in our flesh has a purpose. Listen to what it says, verse 9. And he, that's a capital H, you see that? That means God. And God has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. You know what God said? 
God, take away this thorn. God, take this out of my life. His answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. You know what that's God saying? No. It's not coming out of your life. No. It's not going to be removed. But I want you to understand something. My grace is sufficient for you. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Y'all with me? Don't let me lose you. Let's go back to that principle. God opposes the proud, but wait a minute. But he what? But gives grace to the who? To the humble. You hear what he just told Paul? Paul, that thorn in the flesh is keeping you humble. And as that thorn in the flesh keeps you humble, you are a recipient of my grace. You are a recipient of my grace. Because you are humble, my grace is there for you. Now, hold on a second. A lot of times when we think about grace, we want to think about the favor of God. And we think that the grace of God causes us to walk on the rosy garden path of life with blessings flowing and fountains watering us along the way. That's the grace of God. But let me tell you something. Listen to me. Everybody listen to me. The greater grace you will experience in your life is when God gives you the strength to make one more step in the desert experience that you may encounter. That's the greater grace of God. When God gives you the strength to make one more step, That's a deeper work of grace. And do you know what you know what God said to Paul? Paul, my grace is sufficient. It's enough and more than enough to allow you to face what you're facing, to live what you're living, and to carry on the work that I've given to you. Because God says this, for power, talking about his power, his power is perfected in weakness, in our weakness. Do you know when God shows up? Whenever we don't have the strength to go. And we depend on him, his power is sufficient. And you know when you experience his power? In your weakness. When you, when you think you can do it, when you think you have the power to do it, you know what God does in my life? God will back off from me and say, okay, go ahead. Just go ahead. And I'll go and I'll beat my head against it and beat my head against it and beat my head against it. Are y'all hard-headed? Until finally I said, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I can't do it. And he quietly says, I've known that all the time. If you'll realize you can, I can. A little saying, a little proverb that I, I, I say often in my life. God said, you can't. I never said you could. I can. I always said I would. Amen. For his power 
is perfected in our weakness. Well, listen, do you know what, do you know what Paul, you know what Paul finally came to and where we need to come to? It's the statement right here in verse nine. Listen to what it says. Most gladly, therefore, you hear that? Most gladly, not that I'm enduring it and I'm hoping I'm making it. And if I have to walk, most gladly, most gladly, he says, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Listen to what he says. Go on. Therefore, I am well content. Contentment. I am well content with weaknesses. Look at this, listen to this smorgasbord. With weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, here it is. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you want to put it in that principle that we've been focusing on, this is what it says. When I am humble, when I am humble, then I experience the greater grace and power of God. So God is in the process of keeping me humble. Of keeping me humble. Tell you something, if you will take this passage and you will meditate on this passage and you will look deeply in this passage and you'll say, dear God, help me, help me, help me to come to a place to understand that thorn in the flesh, that issue in my life, that thing I have to deal with. Help me to understand it like Paul understood it. Help me to pray about it if I have not, but when I've completely prayed and it's still there in my life, then dear God, help me to understand that your grace is ever sufficient and that your strength will be in the midst of my weakness and that I will gladly be content and accept whatever comes in my life so that in my weakness in this life that you might be strong. I'm here to tell you, this passage is not milk. If you're still sucking on the bottle spiritually, you're going to have a real hard time dealing with this passage. This passage is more gnawing on the bone. Do you know what I mean? This is the meat of life. This is about particular things in your spiritual journey that you're going to have to come to grasp with and you're going to have to know what to do with and you're going to have to gladly accept in your life if you are going to experience the grace of God and you're going to walk in the power of God and you're going to be useful in the kingdom of God you're going to have to come to understand this truth but God wants you to Because he wants you to walk with him. To walk with him. Not be opposed by him. But to walk with him and experience in his grace. And let me just tell you, there's nothing sweeter 
There's nothing sweeter in life than to walk each day, no matter what we face, and you hear the still, small voice of God whisper to your longing heart, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. I've heard that voice when I've had mountaintop experiences. But I've heard that voice when tears were running down my face. I've heard that voice in the mountaintops and in the valley. But there's nothing like hearing that voice of knowing my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And that we, like Paul, said, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to humble me, whatever it takes to keep me useful, bring it my way. Bring it my way. Keep me from exalting myself. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.